up everyone it is time for another episode of the black and blue pod i'm your host matthew mclaughlin i'm feeling energized motivated i want to give you guys a great episode uh so let's get right into it i'm going to be giving you my reactions and takeaways to week two of the nfl um so let's get right into it obviously number one takeaway injuries 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 across the league i mean saquon barkley nick bosa of the San Francisco 49ers, Saquon Barkley, the New York Giants, um, Malik Hooker, all their seasons ended due to injuries. Barkley and Bosa both done with ACLs. Uh, Malik Hooker has an Achilles injury. And even Cortland Sutton, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, he's done for the year with a torn ACL. I mean, injuries just absolutely obliterated the NFL in week two. And that's not even going into the multiple week injuries. Christian McCaffrey, high ankle sprain, out four to six weeks. He's a big blow to the uh, Carolina Panthers, pretty much their entire offense. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's the commander, the general of Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's a huge blow to San Francisco. And San Francisco, these next four to six weeks are going to be pivotal and not just their season, but the future of this so-called NFC contending dynasty that could rise about out of the Bay Area. So we're going to see, and that's an interesting situation to keep an eye on. And really huge injuries across the board. Like I said, I mean, you hate to see uh, injuries end a season, especially when these players are trying to make as much money as possible. But unfortunately... That's that's a risk that the teams are taking when they're playing football in general every week, which is why we should appreciate the players that are playing and why we should appreciate this season. So let's get into some of the week two action that came with the NFL. Number one uh, observation, Justin Herbert, bona fide star. This guy is absolutely electric. He is a rocket cannon. He is not afraid to sling it all across the field. I mean, he's looking left and right, had some absolute dimes to Keenan Allen on some deep balls that really helped them get a shot of adrenaline to this offense that was really needed. Tyrod Taylor, he's an awesome character, awesome player, great team leader. Unfortunately, a combination of injuries and situations within the team have really derailed his career, and he hasn't been able to get his bearings since his really great uh, reemergence with the Buffalo Bills. So I think Justin Herbert is a great adrenaline shot to this offense. He's smart enough to make the dink and dunk plays to Austin Eckler when he wants to, um, but he can also deliver in tight windows like we saw to Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, all of his targets and weapons this year. And I think Herbert is um, a player to keep an eye on for these next two or three years. We already knew that when he got drafted number six overall by the Chargers. But now that we've seen him in action, it's going to be electric in the AFC West for at least the next couple of years. Um, So that brings me to my next point. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, they're looking human. Are the Kansas City Chiefs human? Patrick Mahomes was not off to a great start in this game. He was 27 for 47, 302 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, those are still great stats, but... He did, he did not look the Patrick Mahomes that we've come to expect. And 
I think a lot of those expectations are unfair. We can't expect this guy to be throwing one-legged passes and sh- and shovels passes with his left hand. I mean, that's just unfair. But we can expect him to complete around 60 to 70% of his passes. And he really struggled in this one. And I think you're going to see a lot of defenses try to copy what the Chargers defense did this week. It's a copycat league, just like every other league. The NBA has the same thing. I mean, all these defenses are going to be looking at how did they somehow limit Patrick Mahomes? But then you get to the point where, okay, he's slinging it up and down the field. How are we going to stop it when he's throwing 50 to 60 passes? And that's going to be an interesting development to watch. I think um, this Baltimore game on Monday Night Football is going to be a huge prove-it game already for the Chiefs. And I think there are some doubts. I am definitely doubting the Chiefs uh, and Andy Reid, but... It's still very early in the season, so let's wait and see before we make jump to any conclusions. My next storyline, Derek Carr. Derek Carr has resurrected his career and the Raiders somehow. I do expect this team to be contending for a wild card spot, not necessarily top four in the AFC, but I would expect them to be competitive in the division down the stretch. I think that Derek Carr had a great performance. He was 28 for 38, 282 yards, three touchdowns, and 121 passer rating. I mean, this guy, he was an MVP of the league uh, in 2016, 2017, around that year when the Raiders went 12-4, and and it looked like the silver and black is back, baby. Black hole was going nuts. Um, But then, if you guys remember, he got injured towards the, the end of that season, and then he couldn't play in the playoff game. So it's, I'm glad to see him. Uh, get his bearings again and that him and Gruding are meshing and hopefully this can lead to some things down the road another storyline coming out of week two how many chokes are the Atlanta Falcons gonna pull I mean 40 to 39 the Cowboys win and I hate to say this because it's obligatory Cowboys talk I mean it's the Cowboys get brought into every national conversation somehow, some way, and of course this week they had to pull off a 20-plus point comeback and somehow get it. Dak Prescott was phenomenal. I got to give props to him. I mean, he counted for over 400 total yards of offense by himself. Think about that for a second. 400 yards of total offense. He wasn't doing it, doing it simply through the air. Yes, he had 450 yards uh, passing, but he was making some plays with his legs. I mean, he still finished with 18 yards rushing, and he had three touchdowns on the ground. That's the crazy part. He's insane. This was an insane, improbable win that, of course, had to happen to the Atlanta Falcons and the Dallas Cowboys of all franchises. Yes, we've seen them blow multiple leads, most notably 28-3. to No one is ever going to let them live that down. It's impossible. No matter how many times you change your uniforms to look like the longest yard with Adam Sandler, I mean, it's still everyone's going to remember Atlanta as the franchise that blew a 28-3 Super Bowl lead against a Tom Brady and Bill Belichick team. I mean, everyone's going to remember that. And, of course, this year, what's an NFL season without an Atlanta choke job? So the Falcons had a 29-10 to lead, I think, at some point. They were rolling on offense. And unfortunately, it's the story with Atlanta really throughout most of their franchise. The offense has always been there. The defense has just lagged behind and really costed them. And now I think Dan Quinn is definitely on the hot seat, as he should be. He was brought in to revolutionize his defense and 
really helped them improve over the years. But now I think it's time to really reevaluate his position and see, start looking for candidates that can really help step up that defense. Um, lastly, uh, my storyline coming out of this week, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. We absolutely are trash. We are trash. There's no way to accept it. Through two games, we have been terrible. Carson Wentz has looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and I'm not blaming the Eagles' horrendous start solely on him. Yes, the quarterback position is the most important position, but that defense needs to help them out. They've gotten stops, and they've done what they can in the first half, but then we get to the second half, and the defense collapses, whether that's fatigue, simple play calling by Jim Schwartz. I think Jim Schwartz has made a lot of questionable calls, and it's costing them games. Jared Goff threw for 267 yards, which was... 25 more than Carson Wentz, and he did it on 16 last passes compared to Carson Wentz. Why is Doug Peterson routinely trying to throw the ball if Carson Wentz's rhythm is off or something like that? I mean, we gave Miles Sanders the ball 20 times, but still, I get you're trying to make a play on offense, but when your team's struggling like this, you can't routinely keep throwing the ball away and trying to pick up first downs on first and second downs. Like, you gotta manage, and I think that this team has really struggled this year and i will put blame on carson wentz there's no doubt about that i love carson wentz but he has not performed to the standards that we have expected and i think that these national outlets such as espn such as bleacher report they expect him to be an mvp caliber player with a horrendous offensive line that's getting pulled off the tailgate lots we saw what he could do with receivers pulled off those tailgate lots but offensive line is a completely different story. He's been dealing with injuries. He's been dealing with um, you know, setbacks on that offensive line. We saw Jason Peters try and get more money, which he eventually did because the Eagles were so sick of the shit that he was trying to pull that we were like, all right, fuck it, just give him more money so that we can actually have someone at left tackle that we can trust. But I think that people are really underestimating the injuries to Andre Dillard, uh, Isaac Sayamalu, Brandon Brooks. I mean, all those guys. Those guys were key cogs in the machine that got us our first Super Bowl. And I think that those are being completely underestimated. And I think it is completely unfair by these guys such as Max Stugerman, Max Kellerman on first take. I call him Max Stugerman from now on because I just thought of that. And now Dan Orlovsky, all these guys are trying to put the blame on Carson Wentz. Yes, he's... Uh, right to blame to a certain extent but we have to look at the pass protections that he's getting on these plays he is scrambling out of the pocket more than brett Favre in like 2001 like this guy's getting no time to set his feet and throw and people want to bring up oh instagram stats where oh 20 20 incomplete passes 15 with a with a clean pocket okay who who gives a shit who gives a shit? And you're going to go to Instagram for your sports debates? Okay. Okay, yeah. If you have to do that, then I don't even want to talk to you. This is just com- completely unfair, completely unjust, and it is on the entire team, not just the quarterback. It is on the entire team. I mean, look at the rushing stats for the Rams coming out of this week. Out of this week, only one rusher, one rusher um, on the Rams finished with less than 10 yards, and that was Van Jefferson who finished with negative one yards, who I'm assuming got tackled for a loss on a jet sweep or something. 
I didn't even really watch the game because I was so sick of watching this team just disappoint me over and over again. And I'm praying that we could somehow get our shit together by the end of uh, the season. And honestly, like the only way I could see right now us getting to the playoffs is if everyone just gets fucking injured like they did last week. Like if if the injuries that happen in week two happen the rest of the season to every other team except the Eagles, that's the only way that we have a chance of winning a fucking Super Bowl this year. And that's just the plain, honest, daylight truth. And I will, I will admit that as much as I hate to admit that, I will admit that. And I think Eagles fans have to consider that this is a reality, that we're not necessarily going to be the best team to make the playoffs, like always, because God forbid national media give us any credit. But we could still sneak in a wild card. Anything is possible. And if this team has proven us any, proven the city anything, it's that don't give up on them. They're going to pull something out of nowhere and we'll work some miracles. So if, as of right now, I'm not uh, sold on this team, but it's very early in the season. I'm not I'm not going to jump to any conclusions of a winless season or a 2 and 14 season or anything like that. I just think if they show up and they show out and they just turn off everything that's um been thrown at them through TV coverage and stuff like that on Twitter and Instagram then and they show up against Cincinnati against Joe Burrow who's walking with that Joe Burrow confidence, that Joe Burrow swagger that he's bringing to Cincinnati right now. This is not a, oh, in a couple years they'll be good and they'll be confident. No, Joe Burrow's bringing that confidence right now and to this very moment every single day in that locker room. He does not want to lose three games in a row. And I hope a fucking intern that runs coffee, whoever's doing Howie Roseman's laundry, whoever's doing Doug Peterson's clothes and washing, or does any type of door dashing for Doug Peterson, I hope they hear this and they tell him, show up on Sunday against Cincinnati, because you guys need to prove to this city that you're still worth watching in the first place. No one wants to watch you because it ruins the rest of our week if we watch you lose. So show up and give us just a watchable product. Even if it's another loss, at least give me something that gives me some hope. I feel like a Jets fan. Just give me some hope. And I have a feeling that it could go either way, that I could just be either completely spiritually crushed or I could be jumping with joy and saying that this team's going all the way back to the Super Bowl. So we're going to find out. And But let's move on to other football news because I don't want to keep thinking about this team until Sunday if they win. Uh, on other football news, Big Ten football, we decided to get football back. Apparently, the Big Ten was just like, oh, yeah, remember that decision we made? Let's uh, let's redo that because apparently everyone in the world is pissed at us, or at least everyone in the United States is pissed at us. So now Big Ten football is back, baby. We getting, we're getting Penn State versus Ohio State October 31st. We're getting... Penn State versus Nebraska, November 14th. Penn State versus Michigan, November 28th. It's going to be an electric year for college football in Happy Valley this year, and I cannot wait. And it's going to be very interesting to see how the committee evaluates these teams because if you have not heard, the Big Ten Championship is expected to be on either the day before or two days before the committee is expected to vote and announce the results for who gets in the playoff. And Penn State is going to be an interesting case. If they can somehow go 9-0, 8-0, 9-0, and 
force their way into a national conversation with Clemson, with Ohio State, with uh, any other teams that might be there. It is going to be a chaotic year of college football, and that's saying a lot considering we have seen some chaotic years in college football. Now the chaos just grew even more, and we're going to see if the Pac-12 somehow joins in, although I'm very hesitant to believe that they will, mainly because you hear um, restrictions coming out of California mainly and the West Coast, and it's going to be really tough to get somehow get a nine-game uh, season with the Pac-12, and I think it would be, it's very uh, unlikely. I'm going to stay optimistic and hope, but I would not necessarily put all your chips on a Pac-12 team, to say the least. But very exciting. We're getting college football this year. Happy Valley's booming. I mean, it's an exciting time, and I did not want to cover college football because the Big Ten was not playing, and I felt that the top 25 was going to be hard to cover when you have these two other big conferences in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing. But now, now, ooh, baby, Saturday's just got a whole lot brighter, and we're going to finally be able to see some of those great college football rivalry games that we initially missed out on or thought that we were going to miss out on. And it's going to be very exciting. I am so excited for October 23rd, which is the weekend that the Big Ten kicks off. Um, and I really cannot wait. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Those are just my football fucking takeaways. Um, I don't really know how to describe this type of session, but we're figuring out. We're chugging along. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy another great weekend of football, Thursday night football. Uh, Miami takes on Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew, and that marvelous mustache. Uh, will take on Ryan Fitzpatrick and an incredible beard, I must say. I cannot wait. I will be giving you guys my picks tomorrow, and I hope you guys have a great weekend, and let's enjoy some football, baby. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms as well as podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, your subscription and follows mean just as much as you actually playing the episode. Uh, thanks again for listening. Um, and I hope that you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully you enjoyed this one. So 